Filmmaker Commentary, episode 57. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we give you insights from our favorite filmmaking commentaries. These commentaries can be heard on your DVD and Blu-rays of your favorite movies. We'll show you how you can use these commentaries and apply them to improve your video production and filmmaking techniques. All of this here on Filmmaker Commentary. I'm your host, Reginald Titus Jr. Welcome back to Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with... KCG Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. Yes, indeed. And today we're talking about Inside Man, directed by Spike Lee, written by Russell Gerbitz, and produced by Brian Grazer, with music by Terrence Blanchard. Uh, we had a budget of $45 million. Box office, is that $184 million? Yeah. Uh, with $88.5 million of that being domestic and $95.8 million being foreign. This is Spike Lee's most commercially successful film. I would say this is a win. Yes, this definitely is a win. Did this one outperform uh, Black Klansman? Yes, I yeah. think. Especially when you break down how much you make compares to the budget. But mm. I think uh, Black Klansman, was it 90-something million? So Black Klansman, budget 15 mil, worldwide 92. Yeah. That's about 100 more. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there it is. But before we dive into Inside Man a little bit further. Oh, yeah. By the way, Inside Man was made, it released in 2006. So before we dive into Inside Man, we're going to talk about news and movies watched. So news and movies watched. Um, What movies did you watch this past week? Well, as of right now, we're what? Today is May 6th. May 6th. Yeah, so it's been, a, you know, it's been a couple of weeks, you know, since, you know, we've recorded. Hey, sorry about that, guys. But, um, you know, yeah. Life. <laughs> Life. Thanks for hanging with us. We appreciate it. Yes, indeed. So, of course, in that time, um, Avengers. Yeah. Endgame. Took over the world. It did take over the world. No spoilers here. Um, yeah. <laughs> Even though the spoiler ban has been lifted. It technically has lifted as as the recording of this podcast. As of the recording of this podcast, Avengers Endgame has been out for, uh, this is going on its... Third week? Second week, technically. This is second week. Third yeah. weekend? Or... Yeah, it'll be the third weekend mm-hmm. coming up this Because uh, I watched it on weekend. the first weekend it came out, but I watched it on a Sunday. Yeah, so within 11 days, mm-hmm. it has made over $2 billion. It has eclipsed... Titanic, mm-hmm. and now sits as the second highest grossing box office film of all time, and uh, we'll, we'll see if James it's Cameron. poised to take down Avatar. Yeah, and Avatar's at what? Avatar sits at two point seven eight billion, and this one's at two point uh, two point one, two point one eight, two point one nine, somewhere like that, something like that. Uh, enough to pass. Enough to pass. Titanic, mm-hmm. which again in it's eleven days within in less than two weeks it did this. That's that's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. This this I mean this is a phenomenon, and to do it this quickly, I mean it's the fastest movie to a billion dollars. It's the fastest movie to two billion dollars, and the fastest movie to three billion. Whoa, soon enough, man. There are now some projections that this may you know, on its final and its. Um, when it's done, all said and done, might sit anywhere between, you know, maybe 2.8, 2.9 to maybe anywhere up to 3, 
Three bill and some change. Three billion and some change. Which not bad I'm like, business. What? Not bad business at all. Yeah. And, and you know, and a lot of the uh, those films were built around technology. With the Titanic thing, it was built around like the sinking of the ship and how he was going to perform that. And then what Avatar was the new 3D technology and how that was going to be integrated. And uh, with this film, just the special effects and how they made the villain Thanos look and how realistic that was Man. technology it was a big factor in the Hulk looks the Hulk looks great in yeah. this Can very the, the convincing mo, the mocap mo and we're going to talk about it a little bit guys so if you haven't seen just fast forward about, about a minute yeah it, FYI we're not going to spoil it but hey you did say Hulk <laughs> <laughs> yes Hulk looks Great. I mean, you, more so than ever, we see the nuances mm-hmm. of of the Hulk's face, and we see a lot. Of, we see a lot of Ruffalo, and there's story reasons behind that, right? Um, even Rocket. I mean, God, Rocket always looks good. True, but Rabbit, yeah, yeah sweet, sweet Rabbit. <laughs> uh, and again, Thanos always looks amazing with Brolin's performance. But it, again, aside from the visuals, it's the performances behind them. Uh, but yeah, this is. This film, if you haven't seen it, I can't recommend it enough. Mm-hmm. Go out and see it. Watch Infinity War first, if you have not. Watch all the films and then watch this one. <laughs> that is one of the great things. If you've seen all the films, you will be rewarded. You will appreciate it later if you do. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of callbacks. And uh, we've talked about this uh, 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 off mic, but uh, I think this is the... So we see some of the best performances, um, okay. nuanced, dramatic performances yes. uh, from this cast in, in Avengers Endgame. Yeah, I agree. Um, I watched it that Sunday it first came out, mm-hmm. you know, caught a um, a 10 p.m. showing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was real. But it was, it was, you know, that one wasn't as packed. But then I watched it again on a Friday with my son. Because the first time, uh, it was that first weekend, I was like, you know what, I want to hurry up and get this out the way. Because so if I, spoiled. somebody's going to spoil this. Oh, yeah. And so, and also Kevin Smith had dropped like a half an hour, hour long, you know, just review of the film. And I'd, I'd like to hear him nerd out just because of how passionate he is about nerding out on this stuff. I still need to watch. I so I live through these guys that nerd out because I just don't have the time to read all the comics. So I'm just like, you know what? Let me live through these guys. Right. And so I like to listen to his review. So it was going to be spoiled, spoiler filled. And uh, I wanted to watch that, so I was like, let me go ahead and check this out on Sunday. Usually I watch these films with my son, but for whatever reason, it was 10 o'clock on a Sunday, couldn't make it, he was asleep, and um, I had to pretend like I didn't watch, didn't see the film for about a week. I said, like, man, we got to watch that film. And Son of a Gun, at his uh, school, like, kids were spoiling, like, the movie left and right, and uh, he, was a, he was a good sport about it. He was like, I still want to see it, though, you know, and see if what they said were true but i'm not going to tell you that because i don't want to spoil it good job son good job son good job but i heard in the news like there's people spoiling the freaking uh movie and somebody got beat up i don't know if like it's been confirmed like that was a real story but they were saying like people were waiting in line to go see it and some guy some jerk came by and was just giving away like spoilers just telling people in line and those people got a line and beat this guy up there was images of a guy in uh, somewhere in Asia where well, supposedly mm-hmm. that that happened. But there was there was a video on YouTube mm-hmm. of some dude in a classroom who had who had given a spoiler. And somebody you know they were recording or whatever, and and this guy was like, "Did you just spoil? Did you just spoil Endgame?" And the guy was like, "Yeah, what? You know, like talking wow. talking trash and <coughs> got popped." And the guy, you could have, ooh, got popped for it. I told you about this, Reginald, but during my, my second viewing yeah. of, of Endgame, I saw it opening night on Thursday with an amazing crowd. That was one of my favorite movie-going experiences. Everybody was 
so excited. They 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 cheered and they cried. It was just as a most. We were together. Man. Everybody was cool. Yeah. Good movie going etiquette. Mm-hmm. The Saturday showing that I went to. Yeah. Ah, uh, that was rough. I had people <laughs> who were just uh, same theater, right? Um. Yes. Yes, same okay. theater. Yeah, same same theater, mm-hmm. but in a different theater. First time, first time was just a 3D showing. The second time was IMAX. 3D. Oh, so you saw it in 3D. Yeah. Okay. And twice in 3D and then once in 2D. So I've seen it three times. Sounds pretty penny. You know, we, we budgeted for this. You, you know, know what I'm saying? See the fun to say. I was going to watch the second time in 3D. I was like, uh Go back to the regular budget. <laughs> one child, one adult, please. Hey, hey, you gotta work it, work it. Um, but during that second that second showing, some jerk Mm-mm. came into the theater and they were at the back of the theater and they. And this is right, like we're, we're talking maybe like seven minutes into the movie, and some jerk came into the theater and yelled out a major spoiler and then just left. And it was like the ending. Like yeah, part of the ending of yeah. the movie, major in 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 spoiler to end game, wow. and yelled yelled out uh, yelled that out, and they left. And I was sitting towards the edge. I like to sit towards the edge um, in theaters. And if there weren't two people on my right, yeah, I I would have gotten up and 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 to find out who that was wow. to to give them a piece of my mind. How did people? Was there like a reaction to what this guy said? People stayed mellow. They were like, it was so many people in there. It's like you couldn't really like, I guess, move or whatever. Oh, okay. So they were kind of like, and that, and that, at that time, that character happened to be on the screen. Oh, and so it was, yeah. But I was just like, what? Where is what? He? Who would? Oh man, yeah. I was, I was raging. It's- now, Forge had already seen the film, so that's how I also knew it was a spoiler for sure. But I was just shocked. So, you know, if you've seen the movie. Don't do not be a jerk. Don't spoil it for other people. I wonder why this brings that out of people. Like this film, like you have plenty of films you can ruin, but why this one? Like you think that people would want to kind of keep it hush hush and let people yeah. experience because of the fan. Like how many fans this movie has? Uh, and man, the, the jerks came out. Oh man, and the anticipation because again you're coming off of Infinity War, yeah, a year long cliffhanger. People have been waiting. Um, but yeah, I I just yeah that Saturday showing again there are a lot of people who just don't have good movie etiquette and that was on display too. Okay. Uh, please remember when you go to the theaters, you are not at home. You are not at home. <laughs> I bought my own sandwiches. You know, I, I don't I don't care if you bring your own food, <laughs> but you know, I had a guy answer the phone. That's beautiful. Answer the freaking phone at, at the, about the two hour and fifty minute mark. He shamed me in. Oh, yeah, man. Was I, it ringing or did was, it vibrate? I, I, all I know was that I, I, thought, was I thought initially he was talking to his girl because they were literally sitting right next to me. It was her and oh, then him. Oh, wow. And I thought he was maybe you know talking to her. Was the phone like lit up too? I think it may have been. Yeah. And it, I, happened to, I happened to look over and he has his, you know, the phone to his ear. Hey, man, I'm at this movie, man. Let me, I'm seeing, let me. And I was like, ah. I literally said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Get off the phone. Get off the phone! I will. I will call you out yeah. if your movie etiquette is out of place. Because yeah. if nobody says anything, then you'll think it's okay, and I will let you know. And there's that's not okay. And there's hundreds of commercials, right, that tell you repeatedly, like, "Hey, now it's time to turn off your phone." Exactly. Hey, silence. Hey, yes. like, how many proper? How much propaganda do you need? Hey, I didn't come to the movies to listen to you have a conversation on the phone or to see you pull out your phone. Um, 
and and check messages, which his girl did before he did. And I got I I told her, hey, are you kidding me? Are you <laughs> kidding me right now? So yeah, that movie going experience was hype. not my not my favorite. But yeah, if your movie going etiquette is whack, clearly someone needs to tell you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was at one theater when I saw Sicario. Uh-huh. I was I was up in Wisconsin for work, and you know I was sitting like towards the back. And this girl pulled out her phone once, and I was like, hmm. And then she did it again. And she was like, you know, texting or whatever. And I said, Arr. And then she did it a third time. And I was like, nah. Because, again, she's in front of me, so I'm seeing a lot of her phone every blinded, time. yeah. Yeah. And I literally, I got up, and I walked, and I, and I over to her. I was like, excuse me, miss. It's like, if you pull your phone out one more time, I'm going to go get a manager. I was like, I didn't come to this theater watching Dang. you on your phone. Is that, is that a threat, sir? That is an ultimatum. Take it as you will. Good day, ma'am. Good day. I gave it three times. So again, clearly, if, it, if I don't say anything, people yeah. think it's okay. Yeah. We are in public. We are in public. Social contract. If you if you can't if you can't hold it down, then yeah. uh, stay home. Right. Stream it. Yeah. Wait that's for that's it. it. If you have no movie going etiquette, no consideration for others in the theater in that confined space who've all paid money not to listen to you on the phone or watch your text or watch anything with your screen, the stay home or sit all the way in the back. But don't interrupt my experience. Por favor. Unbelievable. Yeah, but speaking of like the commercials, like there's so many commercials now. Like I got the, the ten o'clock showing. I'm expecting the movie to start at ten. Now the trailers. <laughs> Not even the trailers. It's just like commercials. Like I'm, you know, because we are captive how, audience. How early were you? Um, I'd probably say I was about ten minutes, fifteen minutes early for sure. Before the trailers even started. Before ten o'clock. So it starts oh. at ten. So I was there about nine forty-five. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I expect that. But then ten o'clock runs around. I'm, I'm expecting us to get started. Mm. Not no, these days. No. Dude, they had more and more commercials, more commercials. I'm like, bro, like I'm expecting to see trailers at ten. But see, I wonder if, at the theater you're at. Uh-huh. Um, oh, because you said you were at the. Uh, it's like a it's the Grand Lux Theater. See, are they a, are they are they a franchise or is it like just? I don't know if they're a franchise because that not. might be the difference then. No, no. Well, they they have different branches like in different states and stuff. Okay. So I don't know if they're corporate owner or if they're franchise. Yeah, see, I wonder if their whole, you know, situation is different then because right. of that. Like they have, Probably. you know, additional revenue streams yeah, they got to support. Geico commercials and stuff. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, they got official commercials. Oh, see, that's so, a different game right yeah. there because they're, yeah, they need, they need the extra revenue then. That's Man, what that's all about. They're killing me. And then um, me and my son were just like going through this. He's like, man, what's going on? And then the movie starts. And then he says, finally! And then he puts his, like, out loud. Right. And then the lady next to him just starts laughing. Yeah. I could only, oh, man. I didn't know. When you said commercials, like, oh, he means trailers. No, you mean commercials. Commercials, bro. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten to a habit now where I show up again about 15, about, I show up right at the the actual showtime. That's when I show up. I've bought my tickets in advance, but I show up at the showtime. Go get concessions. That way, I can skip maybe at least like three, you know, maybe two or three trailers, mm-hmm. uh, and then sit down and let the rest of the trailers play out, and then the movie will start. But it's about twenty to thirty minutes of trailers nowadays. It's 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 pretty it's pretty mad. Yeah, trailers. I'm I'm cool with. You know, I expect that. That's part of the the deal. Ugh. But those com- some those of the commercials. Trailers, yeah. Yeah. Rawr. Sometimes it's a lot, and I'm like, 
I have YouTube now. I don't. I don't. I don't need this many trailers. Like I can. I can. I'm, I'm using trailers on demand. That's so I'm true. like, you force me to sit through all. It's these. funny too because now, like, because the trailers are available online like that, you've already seen them. Yeah. But back in the day, this was like news. Like, oh wow, it was exciting. Pikachu. You know what I mean? But you've probably <laughs> seen it two or three times before you get there. And there are some instances where they might, you know, again, there was there was a trailer that showed uh, an Endgame that was for, uh, you know, a, a, another Russo Brothers film. True. Uh, with, with Chadwick mm-hmm. Boseman in it. I'm like, okay, that's a surprise. Uh, I saw a trailer for Frozen 2 uh, mm-hmm. during my third viewing, and I was like, oh, okay, there are a couple of gems. But for the most part, most of the stuff I had seen before. But so, I, I, again, I try to arrive right at showtime so I can forego some of the trailers. Any other movies or any other news before we dive back into the movie? Uh, new trailer release for Spider-Man Far From Home. That dropped today. That dropped today. So, again, if you have not seen Endgame, don't watch that trailer just yet if you want to avoid spoilers because it, yeah. it, is, it is spoiler heavy. But uh, opens up some, some uh, delightful possibilities. True. So, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I was looking forward to Spider-Man Far From Home. Now I'm really, really excited for it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like how they uh, opened up with the spoiler alert, mm-hmm. and then they go into the trailer. Now that I've seen the trailer, because the first trailer that that came out, however many months ago, I was not. I was, I'm not signed up for that. Yeah, only, I was just going to watch it because my son loves Spider-Man. It's like his favorite character. Yeah, and so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be taking him to that. But now that I've seen the trailer, experience in game, I'm like, all right, cool. It's totally different. Yeah, like they had to hide so much when they first that first trailer. It was yeah. like almost a different I'm like oh like they there was some major stuff vibe. oh totally different vibe I'm like ah oh, okay okay cuz I I had rewatched that trailer like last week mm-hmm. uh, at some point maybe this weekend this past weekend so but yeah this new one is it's really good it, uh, I love I love Tom Holland as Spider-Man he's just he is great as as, as Spider-Man and Peter Parker he's Fixed. yeah he's he's crushing it um I think that's all I had as far as uh movie news goes how about for uh, movies watched? Movies watched. We, me and my wife, we've been trying to get into another series to watch because we were watching Suits, and there's not that many like uh, series that's available where it's not it's not graphic violence or like dealing sexually. You know, there's very few <laughs> series that have that. You know what I mean? Mm. This, this Suits it has that. You know, it's it's classy. It's classy, it's smart, and like there's just not a lot of debauchery going on. Mm. So when that came on, we were just trying to find another you know show to watch, and I was like, you know what, American Gods, you know that came out. I think it was like two years ago or something like that. <laughs> it was a year ago. It came out last year. It was a year ago. It came out last yeah. year. Yeah. Okay. So they're like they're on their second season, I believe. And just to be clear, you said you were trying to avoid debauchery. I was and, trying to um, avoid debauchery. No, but you know, with suits, there's like it's USA. That's yeah, USA it's USA, network. and on top of that. You know, we don't have that many, you know, shows that we're watching. Sure. But, you know, debauchery's out there. Um, <laughs> we started American Gods in the first freaking two minutes. It's like you see someone getting their head split and, like, blood is gushing out in slow motion. I'm like, oh, okay. Here we are. Yes. <laughs> I was like, that's... Once you mention American Gods, I'm like, you're... Yeah. Yeah, your game plan's changed. Yeah, it did. The game plan <laughs> is gone. Quickly. Shot out the window. Uh, so yeah. we found a new series, but uh, never mind plan, our morale. Yeah, it's <laughs> the game plan split like this guy's head. Yeah, yeah. I was like, dang. But what I it to me it's you know it's just episodes <laughs> shows like this is just like cotton candy. It's just candy for your brain. It's debauchery. It's you're not. Yeah, it's a mess. But. Um, I it made me look at just spiritual stuff a little bit differently, you know, just mm. like 
the things that you pay attention to, a lot of things, whatever you spend your time to is like basically part of your worship. Right. And uh, yeah, that one, yeah, it was very interesting to watch this whole series of American Gods. I got through, I think I've, I, I think I watched all the first season. <laughs> Crap, yeah, one to watch something not so much, not so much violence uh, about me. American Gods. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I was just saying like. How about that? I know, right? <laughs> like we weren't searching for something that, but that was the reason why we could enjoy Suits, you know, it was sure. like, you know, it's somewhat clean, you know, they, every now and then they cuss, but sure. even when they drop an F-bomb, they blank it out. Um, but the rest of the cuss words is fine. But yeah, in suits the last the we're in the last season because mm-hmm. Meghan Markle, you know, she was part of it, and then right. you know, of course, every, she's a princess or the Duchess royalty. <laughs> so yeah, so the new season, the 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 se- series finale um, drops this summer. So we're just trying to find something to fill in the blank or whatever. Friday Night Lights. You looking for something that's like not too crazy? Friday Night Lights, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's my that's 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 my again, I've been rewatching uh that show, been been digging it. Um but yeah, that's a clean it's a clean it's a clean show. It's got some interesting drama and again you get these actors like who were when they were younger and some good performances, dude. Yeah. Little combination of it, I think I think it can kinda of take you back, make you think about when you were in high school, you mm-hmm. know, also. And uh you know, and again, we both you know went to high schools in Texas, and yeah, you know how big football. Oh yeah, is it's everything. And, uh, yeah, and it, it captures some of that that vibe too. But yeah, I, so American Gods, it was decent. It was decent. It was debauchery. I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. But um, yeah, if you like uh, debauchery, this is it. They right got there. everything you need today. <laughs> uh, so so I actually went. Uh, I, I dig. I dig what Amazon Prime has been doing. Uh, you can find some really old shows on Amazon Prime. Oh. I mean, when I say old shows, I'm talking like um, My Favorite Martian, which uh, with, with Bill Bixby and I forget the older gentleman's name, mm-hmm. um, to even like old uh, variety shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, I, I got super excited when I saw the Carol Burnett show. Because I used to, I remember one time I was out traveling for business and you know, like Lifetime has commercials for, you know, they promote older series you can buy the, the carol burnett show oh well, yeah I, I didn't grow up watching carol burnett show but i remember i just watched a commercial an extended infomercial and just the clips they were showing and i was cracking up i was like yo man carol burnett show was like popping back in the day like it's mm-hmm. it's some smart humor going on here and, and it, you know it's like like snl you know like people are trying not to break you know they're trying to stay in character and carol burnett's like this like triple threat i mean she can you know not, not only is she, is she funny but she can sing and she can dance which I didn't really, I mean, I'd seen her in Annie back in the day. I knew she could, you know, sing, like, kind of, you know, playfully. But, no, she's got legit pipes. All that to say, I've been watching some episodes of The Carol Burnett Show. And, man, there's some craziness going on, man. And she takes questions from the artist at the beginning. And it's they, they, their skits are, are, are crazy. There was there was one skit where um, she was uh, just like a, a, you know, kind of a housewife. And her husband, she was married to a superhero. Basically, you know, a Superman archetype. And this guy comes in, and they're just trying to live life together. But he's he's got the like the strength of Superman, but he's an idiot. And so they sit down at the table to eat, and everything he does, like his, he just breaks stuff. Like you know, he's trying to like get his spoon in his soup, and he's like, "Well, let's go ahead and eat." And he boom hits the table, crushes it. You know, he um he ends up like saying oh, like like sighing out and like you know blows her over. Uh, just, it's his constant stuff is being like damaged throughout. 
and uh, it, it's a it's a it's a it's a nice little skit, a good laugh. Uh, but yeah, Carol Burnett show, man, it's something different. Is a product of its time for sure. But there's some smart stuff going on with it. It's okay. definitely it's it's sixties, straight up sixties. But man, Carol Burnett, man, like. And that's kind of like pioneering for its time uh, as well. But yeah, Carol Burnett show. Uh, still doing my, my, my Doom Patrol, which is unlike any other show that's out there. <laughs> Doom Patrol is just something else. What else have you been uh, watching, Reginald? Anything else? No, that's it. American Guys took over. Okay. And yeah, I, don't, I haven't started season two yet. Finished season one, just kind of took a break from seasonal stuff. Okay, I also um, I watched. I haven't finished it yet, but I, I watched um, about half of uh, Beyonce's Homecoming on Netflix. Mm, is that pretty good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I forgot that she had had twins, boy and a girl, which I always you know resonates with me because I'm, I'm a, I've got a twin sister. Uh, but yeah, and seeing her prepare for this to do Coachella and see the performance at the beginning, it's I mean you know Beyonce. It, it is Beyonce, but you watch her the seeing the process of her prepare for it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool, and she's. Mm. Yeah, just so raw and the talent that she, the people that she brought in, talent wise. Um, Wasn't there like some controversy recently with uh, was that Taylor Swift? Yeah, I saw <laughs> Did, that. You saw it, and she I like, was like stole the marching band stuff because like, everybody me. knows Greek homecoming black bands. If you copy that, it'll be like very obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so was there like a match? Did it match oh, up? Man, uh, it was kind of obvious. It's bad. Oh. It's like really, really. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. When you get a chance to pull up on YouTube, okay, and it's it's like, oh, come on, you're not even trying. Like, you're it's this is so blatant. It's why, why, like, who who told you this would be a good idea for you to do this to to imitate this? Like, no, it's one thing to pay homage, but mm, no, nah, not a good look. Not a good look. Not in these in these in these uh, in these times. Not, yeah, yeah. And even with her music video, the take it off video, it's kind of obvious that you know she's going jack culture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes it's a documentary that makes reference to that yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know yeah yeah um, <laughs> I watched it I watched a, a, on Netflix there was a, a, a documentary on like on like marijuana and like I forgot what it was called but it was like a Netflix original it's mm-hmm. very very fascinating you know they're diving <laughs> deep into you know this and that I'm always fascinated by documentaries on on marijuana as far as like it's mm-hmm. it, it's medicinal purposes and the controversy and where it's research and where it's not and, 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 and they were going deep into like how it became vilified and, and oh, made the illegal. propaganda what they used yeah it. it's very fascinating like just that, that history always interests me um, so anyway I watched that and then also I, I started watching Barry on HBO oh the Obama uh, no 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 this is a, a HBO series called Barry it's about a hitman who decides to become an actor Starts taking uh, acting classes. Really? Yeah, it's uh, uh, Bill Hader. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually directed the first episode. He's the main star in it. Uh, and yeah, pretty good. I, yeah, yeah, it's been pretty good, man. The the the, the supporting cast and all that. Uh, it, is it an original? It's yeah. HBO. Oh yeah, HBO's good at curating content. <sighs> they are so good. But yeah, it's a it's a, it's a fun show. Each season, it's only it's only two seasons, so you know the, it started last last year, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the second season still going now. So I watched all the first season. It's only eight episodes. Okay, and I'm I need to watch I need to watch uh, this weekend's episode, but it's like just still like four or five episodes into the second season. So, but yeah, so far it's it's okay. it's good, man. Bill Hader, man, is doing doing his thing. Well, we're gonna dive back into the show. Welcome back to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about Inside Man, starring Denzel Washington, directed 
by Spike Lee. And we are going to jump into the synopsis. The perfect bank robbery quickly spirals into an unstable and deadly game of cat and mouse between a criminal mastermind and determined detective and a power broker with a hidden agenda. As the minutes tick by and the situation becomes increasingly tense, one wrong move could mean disaster for any one of them. From acclaimed director Spike Lee comes the edge of your seat action-packed thriller that Wall Street calls a heist film that's on the money. Inside Man. Very good. Okay. All Start right. the All right. Um, so how did you watch this film? You know, this came out in 2006. Uh, did you watch it when, when it dropped? Or, you know, how did you see this film? Well, before I mention how I came across this film, I just want to let all of our listeners know, if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be spoilers. spoilers. You've been forewarned. Uh, this was my first time watching yeah. Inside Man. How? Never, How is that possible? I just never seen it before. Really? Like, I, 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 I went on a, <laughs> a, a, a tear a couple of years ago, like mm-hmm. getting caught up on Denzel films that I hadn't seen before, mm-hmm. and I just missed this one. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't, I had no idea what it was about. What? I had never even seen a trailer for it. I didn't know Spike Lee directed. I knew nothing <clears throat> about Inside Man. It was yes. a total blind spot. So when you recommended it, I was like, Inside Man. I, I thought I'd seen it. Yeah. And then I was like, I was like. No, I haven't seen this one. <laughs> I have not seen this one at all. So I was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the drama. I enjoyed yeah. the build-up. I enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed you the dialogue. You had no spoilers or anything like nothing. that? So, oh, wow. I knew nothing about this film okay. at all. Okay. I heard the name, thought I had seen it, knew nothing. I, I didn't know that uh, Chewie Tell Edgeford was in it. I didn't know Clive Owens was in it. I didn't know Jodie Foster was in it. I knew nothing. <laughs> nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nada. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I watched it, uh, you know, last week, and I was like, "This is pretty awesome." Yeah, and this is it's 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 well done and obviously well directed. Some some really uh, amazing ca- camera work and cinematography. Yeah, and again, the dialogue is is, is snapping. But there's a lot of improv uh, in it as well as you find out in the commentary. And mm-hmm. and you know, in D, you know, Denzel, he's. He's doing his thing, and there's some there's some awesome quotes in this film as for well. For sure, for sure. Uh, so, how about you, man? How'd you get introduced to Inside Man? This one, I remember seeing the commercials, but it was '06. I was finishing up college and all that, so wasn't happening. Um, but when I started studying Spike Lee, this is one of the films I did eventually get to, and uh, was just kind of blown away. You know, I, that being its most commercial film, I can kind of understand why because I was reading like an article in uh, in the article. People respect Spike Lee's work, but uh, the guy that was writing this article, um, eventually we'll be able to include links in, in the show notes and stuff once we launch the site. But um, he said, I didn't have any white guilt. <laughs> he wanted to feel like the white guilt. <laughs> I didn't have any white guilt leaving this film, wow. which you probably will have watching the Spike Lee film. Sure. <laughs> and so that was just kind of funny. But... Uh, this film's a little bit different. It doesn't feel long. Spike Lee's films are usually like maybe 30 minutes. You know, I've heard someone say about 30 to 45 minutes too long sometimes. Uh, this one felt the pacing was right. Yeah. Even with the uh, the title sequence. like it, Even though it's it still is a title sequence, the movie is still kind of progressing during the title sequence. But yeah, that was, that was probably around like 2009, I think, I want to say. 2009, 2010, when I, studied, when I was studying Spike Lee's work and you know, I caught this film. Mm. And then this time around, I just watched it again and then watched the commentary back to back. As far as like overall style, you know, I felt like it was it was it was paced well. The color the color scheme kind of felt like a little bluish, 
on their color scheme and then except for like the flashback scenes they were a little bit um i don't even they were soft yeah they were like the focus was soft and it was bright but then had these amber tones to it as well Mm -hmm. um on those flashback scenes i wish they would have said what they used to do those um if they just did did it in post or if it was part of the film processing that part wasn't clear it's interesting because it almost looks like even though it's flash forwarding to flash forwarding to the future mm-hmm. it looks like a dream sequence like something from the past yeah. so it's kind of like mixing I did say flashback flash forward <laughs> yeah but it's, it felt like it's mixing like two elements like something yeah. you would see either in a dream or in a flashback sequence mm-hmm. but we flashed forward so I thought that was interesting to, to, to use that technique true and then they just had some pretty interesting uh, transitions. So, yeah. So, for the style, I, I definitely it definitely had its own cool style. I thought it was uh, fascinating hearing uh, Spike talk about the fact that... Because that, I watched the behind-the-scenes um, clips as well, the special features. Mm-hmm. Which I, thought they were, I thought they were really good. There was some good stuff there. Right. Um, and they talked about how he uh, likes to do uh, shoot with two cameras. So, yep. in scenes where people are talking, instead of doing one setup and another... Like he's got two cameras set up on on, on both mm-hmm. actors when they're going. I'm like, yeah, that was Clive Owen that had said that. He said he's never seen another director do that. Yeah, and um, and he was right when he said it would it'd be hell on the the DP mm-hmm. uh, director of photography because usually when you're setting up a shot, you're lighting for that specific setup exactly. And if you got another camera, it's going to look different. And so, how do you light for both angles? Um, but you know, it, it's very efficient. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, Spike talks about how, you know, a lot of times when you have to go with, you know, two or three setups for for, for a scene, mm-hmm. you know, the actor will have gone through and they'll have, you know, gone over the line so many times and they, they, they've they already given the performance, yep. you know, maybe potentially that first take mm-hmm. or, or the first, you know, setup. And so then you kind of lose lose some of that. So That's uh, true. And lose. they can't cheat either because they can't just like kind of bullcrap it while the close-ups on another actor that they're bouncing off of. They can't just kind of bullcrap their way through it. They got to be real. They got to be engaged, locked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, he does his double dolly shot. I, obviously, that, that signature mm-hmm. uh, shot is there. That's we true. use it with Clive and, and with, and with uh, you know, with, with Denzel and with um, Christopher. Oh, what's the gentleman's name? Uh, the older gentleman. A Pike, Plumber, Christopher Plummer. There we go. Oh yeah, dude, I totally was blanking on his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I, I, I. <laughs> you know, there's some handheld shots, there's some Steadicam shots, there's some mm-hmm. cool crane shots. True. Um, yeah, there's at times a little bit of a film noir vibe. Yep. Kind of going on. Mm-hmm. Got the detective, got the mm-hmm. investigative hat on, all that. Yeah, and it's also yeah, it's also a, a a heist film, obviously with with a twist. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is a this is a it's a nice little film, man. Yeah, yeah, and I I would I would I would definitely watch it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the, the dialogue alone is is there's some some very snappy dialogue. It's entertaining. <laughs> it is. It's entertaining. Um, what do you think about the overall commentary? I mean, because you know the way that Spike Lee set this one up it's almost like he's documenting his life as well at the same time because he lets you know the date that it is you know introduces himself he's like hey this is it's my birthday, birthday. today uh the premiere is happening on that same day that which night. i had to look it up that you know that was in new york and um that was on a monday and he's turning 49 years old um so he kind of treats that document the the commentary like a classroom in a way 
Yeah, it really it really does come across as a classroom. He, he does a good job of 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 breaking down different terminology. He'll say mm-hmm. some things like, "Okay, this is this is what this means." Whether whether it's from a uh, vernacular sense mm-hmm. or whether it's from a, a filmmaking sense, he takes the time to to explain. All right, here's this here's what this means. Townsley talks about the different shots, you know, that yeah. that, that he's using and giving the you know background. And there's, I, I had a lot of trivia that I, I jotted down along the way. Mm-hmm. And he's and he's having fun. Like Spike came across. This is one of those fun commentaries that, that yeah. I've heard. Like he's like he's, laughing along with them. Yeah, when he makes a joke. Yeah, I was like, oh man, he's having just a good time. And it, <laughs> it, it was. Uh, I really enjoyed the commentary as a, mm-hmm. as a whole, man. How about you? Yeah, I definitely enjoyed. I recommend this commentary uh, because, like you were saying, he's calling the type of shots, like you know, from Standy Kiln to handheld to crane, and I think it's a great for uh, visual. If you're trying to study how to visually tell a story, mm-hmm. it's definitely great for that because he's. This could very easily been a boring film because there's n- there is action, it's but it's not. Yeah, it's a lot of talking. It's not that much action if you're relying on action to tell the story it's true and uh it could have very easily been a boring cheesy b movie with the wrong cast and the wrong director yeah and (laughs) um also with uh spike because he did this commentary literally before the actual premiere yeah it's all super fresh to him as well yeah he said you know a lot of times when he's done commentaries before it's years later after he's been far removed (laughs) from the film but this is fresh so Mm -hmm. you know exactly when you were and how the shot shot was set up so all of it is fresh which is i think a good idea uh when possible um yeah to to do it fresh while it's while it's in front of your mind. I agree. Because I know we talk about this. Like, I wonder when they recorded this. I mean, Francis Ford, just like decades later. <laughs> but still got notes, though. You know? Like. Yeah. And sometimes it just wasn't possible to do commentaries. Because, you know, they Very weren't, they weren't a, a thing. then. with VHS, they weren't a true. thing. It, it wasn't was until DVDs that you started disc. getting these things. Oh, well, yo, we got a point. Laserdisc. Yeah. So. Yeah. Overall commentary, superb. Good one. Got a little bit of everything in that one. Um, as far as themes for the film, I only had two, and one I didn't come up on my own. I was like, I was kind of lost. I was like, let me search and see what other people say <laughs> about the themes. And so, uh, one that I felt but couldn't put words to it, um, I forgot what article I got this from, but basically it's a cultural discord. And so, when you're having things from another culture like the Albanian. Mm-hmm. Had to bring like somebody off the street, you know, because you have all this, all these different cultures, you know, being in New York and stuff like that. So, hey, what is this person saying? Or um, when one of the hostages is talking about the difference between being a, um, uh, a Arab, uh, they were saying like a- Arab or a Sheik. Was it Sheik? Am uh, I saying that? Uh, I'm using the right term. I think that's with a Z. Uh, uh, but basically, you know, he has the the head head turban. Yeah, he has a turban. He's trying to look for that. And they were just like, you know, Americans don't know. So we're just like, <laughs> we're just yeah. like, you know, the the cops are like assuming like he's like a terrorist because of what happened in 9-11. Mm-hmm. And so kind of treating him that way. And he's like, dude, you don't even know what you're talking about. I'm totally different than what you think I am. Yeah. And then um, and then while he's explaining that you also have Denzel, well, I bet you can still get a cab, though, you know, talking about just cultural, this all the different things that happen from people's culture that, that kind of cross over those life experiences yeah cultural discord mm. and uh just the other ones is everything has a price oh that's good that's good that one i that one i came up with but the cultural discord i did not i didn't know what words to put for that one so i, I just thought of one um i have a i had a couple i jotted but uh one that just came to mind 
is uh, surveillance. Mm-hmm. And again, when we talk about like the you know post nine eleven world. Yep. Um, because of the reactions we had to people who are from different backgrounds and cultures, I think definitely you know uh, there's a theme of being in a post nine eleven world through throughout, mm-hmm. uh, especially with it being in in, in New York, uh, yep. especially. Um, but also, again, from a surveillance standpoint, so while Denzel's people sending the pizzas to to be able to to bug and, and listen in on what's going on, at the same time, you know, they didn't know it, but they had been bugged and had they were being, you know, uh, surveillanced by mm-hmm. by the the bank robbers, uh, and so you know, post nine eleven and with the um, homeland security and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and the Patriot Act. Uh, like that theme of surveillance is is kind of is kind of definitely there. I also put in a theme of, of hiding in plain sight mm-hmm. uh, because to to a degree that's, that's what that's what the at the end that's, that's what they're doing. These yeah. these these criminals are hiding in in plain yeah, that sight. That was perfect. That's yeah, that's a perfectly good one. Yeah, when they all you know come out at the at the end <laughs> and indecipherable and they're playing as victims, you just don't know who's who. Yeah. Um, and even as 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 Dalton's character passes by, uh, Detective Frazier at the end, mm-hmm. you know, bumps into him. Oh, excuse me, and you know, right there in plain sight. Uh, and then also say there's a thing of like war of words. I mean, there's a lot of like I said, a lot of talking in this film, and mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of verbal sparring that's happening, especially when when uh, when Denzel and Clive uh, are talking with each other. There's a lot of this verbal jabbing, and everybody that Denzel goes up against, he's like he he, he like kind of verbally spars with people True. continually with with Jodie Foster, uh, with Christopher Plummer, um, with interrogation um, scenes. You know, oh man, the way he's playing with people, you know, just, just yeah. tell me he did it. Just tell me he did. It. Yeah, this is constant. You know, with with uh, even with Will, with Willem Dafoe, mm-hmm. when when you know, it's like just it's just continual. Like bah, 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 bah. he's mm-hmm. constantly just verbally sparring. Like, this is war, war of words. Quotes. Do you have any quotes ah, for us? I've got a couple of couple of quotes. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one I as they wrote down was was uh, Big Willie and the Twins. Yeah, <laughs> that man that slayed me, man. That when I heard that, that slayed me. And then it, it, it got me again during the commentary when right. again Spike being very good about breaking things down. Yeah. He's like Big Willie and the Twins. You know that's. <laughs> You know, testicles and, and, and a penis. You know, yeah. he's just like, just, just I was he like, does not care. He like, just, that's clinical. It's very clinical. Yeah, but, uh, yeah that, that cra- every time they say it, it, cra- it cracks me up. I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, uh, so speaking of, you know, the cultural discord uh, with the character who has his turban taken, uh, you know, first, you, you know, when, when he's in the diner with the police officers, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they're trying to get in, intel from him on what he saw inside the bank. And he's like, you know, first you beat me, now you want my help. Yeah. That just, that just, stood, that just stood out to me uh, with the way that he was, he was treated. Even when he's demanding, he goes, no, I don't, you know, I want, you know, I want my turban now. You know, just, right. I, 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 I love seeing that. Someone who's putting that, like, is, is, is they're pissed about it and they're letting the police know that they're, they're pissed about it. Like, yeah. this, is, this is not okay. I'm like, stand up for yourself, man. Imagine how they feel like, dude, like, they come out, everybody comes out the building, and the police shoot them with rubber bullets, like, on their way out. Like, you're not, like, just let me out of here. Like, I don't want to give you any information. I just want to go home. For real. That will make <laughs> you shut down. Like, I don't know, I'm not trying to cooperate. You shot us. Mm. <laughs> man. Because you know those things hurt, man. Oh, yeah. Those things You know, wish, yeah. Mm. You know, when Denzel mentions, uh, yeah, Tina Wa- T- in Tijuana, don't ask. You know, Uh <laughs> Yeah, it was just so quick. Denzel is just so quick in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I dig it. Oh, and when he's talking with Clyde. I, w- I wanted to add to that <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. He was uh, setting up talking about Don't Ask. He was like, 
They sent us on a wild goose chase, and the last the last time I had my Johnson pool like that, it cost five bucks. And then William Defoe's like five bucks, and then he goes yeah, to the yeah in Tijuana. Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> but also, when he's talking with Clive, and um, you know, Clive was like, you know, this time. You know, you know, by, by this time, you know, whatever, I'll be, you know, in this place with with with, you know, several women, you know, sipping on a pina colada. Uh, and it did. <laughs> did tell fires back and was like, like, you know, let me paint a different picture for you. You know, you'll you'll actually you'll be in prison, you know, taking a shower with with, you know, so Jamal and Jesus. Jamal and Jesus. He goes and he goes. And that thing you're 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 sucking on. It's not a pina, pina colada. colada. <laughs> The delivery on that line, yeah, man. It was, yeah that was, was like, good. He just starts laughing. That's money, man. <laughs> that is money. Was, those were my two quotes, too. Um, I also had, um, uh, my throat is parched. You know, <laughs> my throat is parched. Yeah, this their reaction to that guy saying that. They're like, your throat is parched. Just give him a, give him a hard time. Um, and when Denzel's talking with Jodie Foster. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, Jodie Foster in this, man, plays just a ball buster. Man. Yeah. And she, this is one of the, like, she said she wanted to be, like, she wanted to um, be chic yeah. in this film. Yep. And they did her up, man. Again, yo, her, again like, like Spike even said, he goes, you know, you know, you know Jodie, you got something you know, amazing. Let you show them off more often. Yeah. Jodie's looking amazing in yeah. this. Like, she she's, she's walking the walk. Um, but, when, you know, when her and Denzel are, inter- are interacting, uh, he was like, you know, she, and he asked for, you know, what, what's your number? Your contact number? Like, you know, I can, you know, you know, follow up with you. And she's like, oh, no offense, but you couldn't afford me. He's like, well, yeah, well, no offense, but you can kiss my black ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, he ain't taking nothing. Um, and then at the at, towards the end, after he's had the conversation with hit with Christopher Plummer and him and Chewy Tell leave the building, and, and, and Chewy Tell's like, let me see your shoe. Let me yeah, see your yeah, shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> Unless somebody broke, you know, the, you know, foot off that deep in somebody's butt, you know, I was like, oh man, that's uh, that's on. So yeah, I, I thought there was some wonderful, wonderful lines of dialogue yeah. in this in this film. Great writing, yes, Russell Gerwitz. Hopefully, I'm saying your name right. Russell G, we appreciate Russell you. G. Uh, trivia. There's quite a bit. I'm just get. A, I'm just knock out a couple. All right. Um, uh, exteriors they were shot on location and the interiors were shot on the stage in Brooklyn um, that interior being a 1920 bank that was built on Wall Street it was empty it had the bank inside of it of course and then it also served as a back lot at the same time um, and he gave shout out to the mayor's office and the film and television division that allowed that to happen so they could kind of block off different areas of that street and um, like you were saying earlier that jo- Jodie Foster wanted to look glamorous uh, she was tired of looking like ran down mothers, mm. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and then just listen to our podcast from uh, pa- Panic the Panic Room. Room. Yeah. And that's exactly what she was playing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this was, a, you know, the sixth film for Universal by Spike Lee. That's the only trivia I have. All right. There's a trivia that I had. Um, this is the fourth film between Spike and Denzel. There's mm-hmm. actually a featurette on the uh, feature. Um, um, it's a featurette on the DVD right. or Blu-ray on this being their fourth film. And a wonderful conversation between Denzel and Spike. I yeah, really, it was pretty I, cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, and, with, and within that, Denzel mentions that he's been ready to kind of maybe quit acting for a while. And he kind of looks at Clint Eastwood as kind of a role model in that. Uh, has he kind of transitioned more into directing? And it's overall his his uh, since he since then had. You know, directed a, a film or two, or done some directing that he he appreciates Spike's craft even more so now. Yeah. 
after doing his own film. Yeah. Oh yeah, we already mentioned that. Yeah, you know, actually, that you know, this commentary is recorded on Spike's birthday and the premiere of the film. Um, there are two actors in this film from the uh, the heist movie, the bank robbery movie, Dog Day Afternoon, starring Al Pacino. Uh, I haven't seen that whole film. I remember I started watching it on Netflix uh, years ago, and I just got busy. And I, and I wasn't able to finish it, but I've heard good things about it. Um, one of the ladies who was, who was in the bank, the one that, that refused to take her, her clothes off, mm-hmm. uh, and then the guy who delivers, the police officer that, del- that delivers the sandwiches, mm-hmm. um, or is it the pizzas at that point? Pizza, the, Sal's yeah. Pizza, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he he also delivered um, the delivered sandwiches or something. He delivered he delivered food to the bank in in uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Spike mentions that if you ever meet Christopher Plummer, don't mention <laughs> the sound of music to him. And I didn't realize that was a uh, uh, is it Eric Von Trapp of the Von Trapp family and, and the sound of music. He's uh-huh. the dad. I was like. Holy smokes! Like once he said that, it, I, I saw, I could see his face again. I was mm-hmm. like, "Why does he always look so familiar?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. You know, I'm waiting for him to break into you know a rendition of Edelweiss, or you know, uh, you seen the sound of music, Reginald? Not uh, uh, my mind. Yeah, okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it, it does <laughs> it's matter. I'm it not going to ask what's the name about it either. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but that was like a revelation. I'm like, it does matter. I'm like, that's the same dude. That's you know, Eric Von Trapp and the Von Trapp family. Uh, and then lastly, um, yeah, uh, Sal's Pizza. I thought that was cool that they had that throwback to do the right thing. That that Sal's Pizza said, mm-hmm. you know, it really, it's like a Spike Spike Lee shared universe. You know, yep. they relocated to a different area of New York. Uh, and then um, lastly, Ron Howard uh, was originally cast to direct this film. I can uh, see Ron Howard doing it very yeah. easily. Yeah, but then went on with Russell Crowe to uh, direct uh, Cinderella Man. Uh, favorite scenes. So I don't really have necessarily a favorite scene, but I do like the most memorable scene that I do remember is the the scene when uh, Clive Owen was with the young uh, young kid with the over the top video game, like Grand Theft Auto type crazy game. I was like that that was just stuck in my brain, you know, for years. Like I would always remember that. But also the little kid, him being in the Dave Chappelle show. Do you remember that skit that he was in? When I saw his face. Uh, uh, which skit was it? So it was a skit when um, uh, Dave Chappelle, he got a phone call. And uh, he had got a phone call, and he was like, they were letting him know that he didn't get a part. He said, man, I really needed that part. Can you tell me who got the part? And then he was like, Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon. And then the, the, the kid was like, Nick Cannon's hilarious. He said, like, F you, son. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell Nick Cannon to buy your groceries. I forgot. Oh, he said something like that. I do remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. That was hilarious. <laughs> I'm broke, nigga. <laughs> oh man, I do remember that. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so yeah, so the kid had a familiar face, and his face has always been familiar. And I didn't know why. Mm. And so uh, I think his name is Amir Saeed. So his face is familiar. And back in 2010, I want to say. Um, I was really into like mu- digital music production, you know, just hip hop, techno music, stuff like that. And I had bought a book called Beat Tips, Beat Tips Manual, where there's a guy from New York, Amir Saeed. And on the book is Amir Saeed, like, I guess he's a junior, you know, and like he, as a kid, he's like on a keyboard and his dad wrote the book. And, you know, from New York, big old thick manual and just like breaking down like the history of hip hop, mm. sampling, where it comes from, how to get the appropriate sound, just all that stuff just well done. 
And uh, I was like, no wonder why that guy's face is for me. I could not nail. I could not figure out huh. why. And he's on a freaking textbook that his dad wrote. That's crazy. And um, it was, it's been cool to see him like grow up and how his dad, you know, kind of poured into his life to be involved in the arts, music, all that stuff. So I'm like, ah, oh, full circle. So yeah, so that was most memorable scene, and then just the reveal at the end. Um, one of the, my favorite scenes on that. Okay. So likewise, um, the video game violence scene that yeah that tripped me out, man. Uh, <laughs> that guy's like, da, 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 da. And then you know puts a grenade in the dude's mouth. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that kind of cracked me up. But that's some that's some that's some GTA stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh, I also put um, the expression on Denzel's face when he's talking with the police officer, and uh, the officer says, "I'll be I'll be careful about what I say in the future. You never know who's listening." Mm-hmm. And look on Denzel's face when he realizes that that, that they've been bugged. This whole mm-hmm. time, and he goes and he and he finds the finds the bug. Uh, I just I enjoyed that uh, yeah. that 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 expression. It just, mm-hmm. it just said so much. Like the light goes. Wait off. a minute. Yeah, yeah. The, the light goes off. I, I enjoyed the fact again the look of the time of 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 those interrogation scenes. Yeah, uh, I just I enjoyed the 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 banter and and the wit and just how Chiwetel and Denzel. Man, I want to see them in, in another movie together. Man, <laughs> I loved I love their dynamic. Yeah. Um. And and when Chiwetel. Is is struggling to keep his his eyes up, you know. Man, well it gets played. called out, you know, <laughs> like just those subtleties as as they're doing that, yeah. Because you're watching their eyes, knowing, okay, are their eyes are gonna dip down, and, like, and sure enough, you know, I could bend over if you want to take a picture. Yeah, I was just, I was just, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and just and even her that 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 uh, that actress uh, who's playing that role, uh-huh. um, just her her attitude throughout, you know, when she's in the bank and she's talking all loud. Yeah, uh, but like it's like you know, it's like these are like real people. Yeah, you know, when you're in a space, people are just it's just all kinds of people. Uh, Kim, Kim, no, it's a different actress. Yeah, Kim director it is her Kim director. Yeah, with the blue eyes that played Clavo one's uh, significant other. No, it was the other girl though. Oh, okay, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not it's, the one that was playing the Puerto Rican. It's the it's the the other girl, the one who got the got pissed about you know Chiwetel looking. Okay, got gotcha. you. Yeah, ah, her name was on here. I can't, I can't find her now. But anyway, so uh, yeah, man, uh, those are the scenes that are, were some of my my faves. Filmmaker tips again. You know, we do the show so that you know we listen to these commentaries, so you don't have to. They can help you on your productions and your filmmaking process. One tip that I did have was these crane shots in here. You know, use crane shots as like kind of like a it's it's cinematic, but it's like a hidden hand of a master filmmaker because on the shot where um clive owen just the first time getting a reveal of him coming into the bank like the crane shot reveals him but it's just show slowly like pulling back and rising up at the same time was revealing all of the characters that are going to eventually be hostages it's in one swoop you know it's very masterful so i would recommend you know look into using crane shots for some of these cinematic changes because you can tell a lot and it's so it's so hidden that you don't really realize it because somebody that is not as masterful you know that could just be a wide shot that they put or it could just be something simple um but when somebody does like this it's just it's a pleasure to watch spike's camera movement is yeah. is is so smooth mm-hmm. it's just so smooth so yeah. when you're in the commentary and he's telling you about it you're like oh you just you just like <laughs> you just went with it when you were watching it and he's like oh Oh yeah, 
Okay, that that a crane would have to have taken the camera from here to there. It's just like at times, if it's so smooth, I think you feel like you are you know almost a disembodied spirit. Yeah, that's just you know just gliding along. With yeah, just you know just partaking of it and dipping into the lives of, of these people. But mm-hmm. it's the camera that's taking you there. Um, again, kind of going back uh, to the to the actual people who would who would become hostages. You know. Uh, since they were in New York, they had hostages that reflected the diversity of the city. There's a mm-hmm. lot of diversity throughout the film, yep. um, and I thought that that was great. Uh, also, speaking of Clive's character, you know, he was somewhat, somewhat hesitant to take the role because his face would be covered the majority of the uh, film. Yeah. We don't get a full reveal of his face until about halfway through the movie, and um, Spike asked Clive to trust him. Yeah, and so, you know, uh, for you directors. Hopefully, a you have a reputation, or b you just have a, a gift of gab to go you know, get the trust of your actors, especially if you're asking them to do something where they are going to cover their face. You know, I think of Carl Urban in Judge Dread, uh, <laughs> that Judge Dread remake. He literally doesn't take his helmet off the whole film; wow. keeps his face covered, where all you're seeing is his nose and his mouth. Uh, and that's a pretty awesome film, by the way. But yeah, so uh, you know, uh, directors get your, your your cast and crew to trust you. Yeah, and and just actors in general, it's they want their face to be seen. Yeah, you know, hey, it is what it is, um, and you need some something to react from. So they were saying this. I think in the special features they were saying how weird it was. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Denzel and Clive reacting off of each other because they couldn't read Clive Owen. Speaking of faces being shown, do you notice how much, and, and again, in uh, Endgame, how, how much, uh, like with like Don Cheadle, how much he didn't have his, 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 his mask on in I, the movie? I didn't notice that. I didn't. I told, I was like, man, he barely puts his mask, even when he's armored up, he almost never puts his mask on. Hmm. Most of the time, it's, it's, his, it's his face. So you're seeing, like, 90% of the time, it's his face. Like, his, his, his helmet goes on, I don't know, like, once or twice towards the end, but mm-hmm. the rest of the time, it's, it's just his head, it's his face. I thought that was really fascinating. I'm like, so yeah, he gets a lot of face. I mean, it works though. It it really does work. But it's him outside of the suit, though, right? No, in the suit. In he, the suit with the oh, with put, it down. I got. Yeah, I got what you. He saying. like doesn't have his, the, the 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 helmet on the majority of the time. Even when they arrive at this alien planet, which you know, how do you know you're gonna be able to breathe? But yeah. no, no, no helmet. Interesting. Yeah, man. Yeah, didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> Movie was long, but good. Um, mu uh, acting research, you know. So uh, Denzel hooked up with Detective Neil Carter from New York, who was a consultant on the film, and through that received a lot of information on his character and you know some things that they didn't know. That consultant would pull either Denzel or Spikes aside and like, "Hey, man, uh, this is how you would do blah 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 blah." So research. Like you were, you were mentioning earlier about another actor, um, Hellboy, Ron Perlman. Yeah, just how smart he is, and just how how much actors need to know just about people and about different jobs and industries, and have to be knowledgeable in order to interpret that into their work, or even to learn how to do things like you know people who, who go picking through, a lock. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, this is that one actress, Kim director. Yeah, yeah, went through some you know like a lock picking class. Crazy. Uh, or you know maybe learning how to you know do martial arts or mm-hmm. learning how to do firearms training. Yeah. Um, there's so many different areas that you know these actors are got chameleons. Yeah. Um, I also put um, even with great leads, you have to have a good supporting cast yeah. to to come through to make everything work. So again, from Chiwetel to Willem Dafoe to Jody to Chris 
Christopher Plummer. This is a this is a powerhouse cast. It is. These these are you know a, a Academy Award nominated and winning uh, actors and actresses. Yeah. Uh, Clive Owens, yo, again, I can't. I I always come back to him in this this uh, cin, a cin, Cinemax show called The Nick. Mm-hmm. And I wish. Oh yeah, you tell me. About I it. wish it was on HBO instead of Cinemax because <laughs> you know. Uh, when you think of shows and Cinemax, you might have a different connotation, but this show is one of the best damn shows I've ever seen, man. Wow, it's, that's bold. Yes, it's in- amazing, incredible. The Nick <laughs> Cinemax, what? Um, but yeah, great supporting cast. Have uh, music, you know. Uh, Terrence Blanchard was a composer for the film, but uh, had themes for all for the main character, you know. So you have. You know, uh, the Big Willie and the Twins uh, theme. <laughs> <laughs> Frazier. Detective Frazier. With Detective Frazier. And I guess that's the name of the actual song, Big Willie and the, and the Twins. And then you Play have... Play the Twins theme. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it feels good when you when his character enters and they're playing that song. Mm-hmm. And then the ESU unit, they had their own theme for whenever you go to their vehicles and stuff like that. So... It um it plays on the subconscious. Music played heavily. The cinematic, the visual storytelling with the camera, all the arts just came into play to make this thing super smooth and solid. And even with themes, you know, when you get to certain points, you can then blend and go back and forth. Because I think towards the end, up, yeah. I think towards the end, Clive or uh, Dalton's theme and Frazier's theme are going back and forth. You know, as 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 he's making his way out of the bank and and and. and Frazier's making his way into it, and they eventually cross paths, and then you know they're continuing mm-hmm. to go, and then they're going back and forth between the themes. I like being unaware because, like, from a musical standpoint, you know, I don't know the language all the way, you know, of music, so I'm like unaware, but I feel it. You know, I feel like something's changing here, something. And when it's missing, when someone doesn't do that right, you don't know. You know, something's missing, but you don't know what. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I agree. Again, I we keep I keep bringing up Endgame. Yeah, uh, Endgame constantly has callbacks to themes. Right, true. Um, you know, you get a good feeling when that little theme when that. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Avengers, the the rise. You know, <laughs> like, the, the, oh, the, I know what this is. And there's and there's different parts to it. You know, and there's a specific true. scene where it, where they even change the kind of instruments, and, they, and there's like this this crazy like jazzy kind mm-hmm. of. You know, jazz, jazz, flute kind of version of it that plays, and it's for comedic purposes. True, but it's kind of awesome. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's a point where Captain America's theme like plays during this one part, this one interaction. I won't spoil, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, uh, more trivia. In game has taken over. Yes, yes. Uh, but Inside Man yes. uh, still has some some good uh, some good tips from Spike. Um, Allowing your actors to, to improvise. There's quite a few lines in here and interactions mm-hmm. that just flows that flows so organically that um, that Spike allowed his actors to improvise. And when you're working with some like the, you know the, the caliber of these actors, you can you can give that room, give that space. True, uh, and it makes for some great reactions. Spike even said that um, during the scene in the diner when 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 Denzel. You know, came back with, "Oh, I bet you could still get a cab." Yeah, like he said, "You guys, we, we don't hear it," but he said he like like. Spike said he like screamed like like just like you know just like yelled uh, with just you know just laughter um, because that that got him so yeah loud was some improvisation 
listen to your DP, uh, your director of photography. Um, he made the suggestion to have a different look for the interrogation scenes. And, um, yeah, I thought that would have been something that they, maybe they did do this in pre-production, but it was a suggestion from the DP, let's have a different look there. And I think that was very effective to differentiate time and space. Uh, also, um, Spike made a tip um, that there's a scene where we see the police lights coming up. Mm-hmm. And so you can use turning on lights to show the passing of time. Obviously, when, when lights are being turned on in an outside setting, whether it's you know lamp posts or things of that nature, mm-hmm. or, or headlights on a car even, you know that night, nighttime uh, has, has arrived. And that, oh, that gives you an indication of the passing of time. He, he, he was talking about Hollywood, so I, you know, I'm not sure what people's aspirations are. But he was saying in Hollywood, things get made based on the cast pending. Um, so this is in 2006, so keep that in mind. Uh, but there's a list on certain actors that if you can get this person to sign on to your film, you can get that green light. And Denzel just happens to be on the list at the time. Mm-hmm. And probably still is. Well, yeah, <laughs> probably still is. Um also, when we you know, we mentioned having you know, your 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 leads and having a strong supporting cast, but also if you have a strong protagonist, uh, strong actor like Denzel, you need to have an equally strong actor as the antagonist, somebody that that won't wilt, um, mm-hmm. you know, before the, the 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 presence and the power of of, of a Denzel Washington. And so Clive, um, again, we talk about like you know this verbal sparring, this war of words. Clive, you know, hangs right in there with mm-hmm. with Denzel. Um, even even uh, Christopher Plummer as well in, in in their scenes like he doesn't wilt or or or, or shake like they yeah. yeah they are strong actors and you got to have that. Um, uh, Clive Owen, I like the part you know talking about favorite sins that um, when he discovers that one of the hostages is hiding a cell phone and oh, he goes in the back room yeah. and does the pantomime like ah, should I beat this guy up you know he's like going through all this like oh man this is hilarious yeah or even or even when as it's that scene when they when he's asking okay where where's your phone the guy just you know clearly is lying and then all of a sudden you hear you know gold digger you know yeah <laughs> play on his phone uh that's yeah that was that was great uh last show you a piece that i a tip that i had was uh to be aware know your actor's schedule you know they had to shoot denzel Within a certain period of time, and, and then you know he had to go. Uh, this is a total of thirty nine day shoot, uh, but they had to you know get in Denzel scenes, and then um, and they had a couple of pickups that they did it, but, you know. But um, but yeah, know your actor's schedule, and and if you need to you know move up their shoots, then, then do so. And one of the last uh, tips is uh, he he talks about having that uh, the camera. At a 45-degree angle to make the shutter look like staccato, kind of like in Save It Private Ryan. If you've seen that film, you know how like jittery that it looks. You get that by uh, changing the shutter. And the, the, the cinematic, the way that the cinematic cameras work and how they set their shutter is a little bit different if you're used to shooting on like DSLRs and things like that. So if you're on a DSLR, they might not have a degree angle, but they'll have like, you know, you're shooting at, you know, 120 or 50 or 60. But, um, yeah, so just kind of knows the difference between shooting with a, a cinematic camera versus your DSLR and learn the degree angles so you can get those same looks that you can get with your DSLR cameras. Overall, good film, great film, good commentary. Great commentary. Yeah, this is this was one of the one of the um, this is this is how you do a commentary. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> um, okay, thank y'all for tuning in. Next time we are going to be diving into the film Hellboy. 
Directed by Guillermo del Toro. And um, you can catch us where? Facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary. Also, you can uh, listen to us on iTunes where you can both like, subscribe, and rate. Uh, you can follow Reginald on Twitter at Reggie Titus or on Instagram at Reginald Titus Jr. You can also uh, connect with us on Instagram simply at Filmmaker Commentary. If you want to follow me, I'm simply at KCGSmith32 at both Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, peace. Peace.